week of Beckett's Babies. I'm Sarah Cho. And I'm Sam Collier. And today we have a special guest with us on this episode. Her name is Allison Ruth. She is a dramaturg and director. She is the artistic director of the Grumble Theater in Minneapolis. And she is directing Feminal, written by Nina Morrison, which will run May 10, uh, 10th to 18th. And if you want more information, the website is on grumbletheater.org. And we'll link, make sure to link that in our episode. But Welcome, Allison Ruth, to Hi. our show. Hi. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thanks so much for joining us on Beckett's Babies. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. Um, and I guess we should also say that we all three of us met at the University of Iowa, where Allison was in the um, dramaturgy program. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to my first question, Allison, which is, what is a dramaturg? Oh, and goodness. what is dramaturgy? I know we're just starting it off really difficult. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I think most telling is that uh, dramaturgy is a field that you can not only get into a master's program, but actually graduate from a master's program. And still, when someone asks that question, you're like, oh, I'm stumped. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but um, it's a good question. I will start by saying that. I think it's personal for every dramaturg. Um, For a really long time, I was so frustrated with most of the responses to what is dramaturgy, what is a dramaturg, get sort of a response that's like a metaphor, um, like, oh, dramaturgy, I'm a... I'm a treasure hunter. I'm a, <laughs> like I'm I'm ex- an explorer through the terrain of the play and the the words are my compass. Um and which is like all like, you know, oh that's very nice but it's really useless. Um but, <laughs> um so what I've decided that when I've seen it done best, um a dramaturg is a really smart um articulate person who is uh, emotionally intelligent, who understands the form of theater, um, and is a tremendous fan of plays and playwrights. And when they're doing their best work, they are articulating and unearthing um, things about a play that aren't immediately apparent. They're capturing something about the play that, you know, was previously in the shadows and sort of brings to light. some secrets of the text so that's I don't know if that's I love that helpful but Mm. that's when I've seen it that's not to say that that's not what I do Um, I'm not good at that but when I've seen people do it really well I'm like oh that's what you're doing it you're actually doing that's what dramaturgy is Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah. we smell like dramaturgs to me whenever they're in the room I was like, they felt like my biggest cheerleader. Like, oh, I was yeah. like, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, thank you. Like, yeah, like I, I feel like it's like no one else here, none of you actors, no one of you understand me, but this dramaturg <laughs> understands <Yeah>. me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that makes me really happy. I mean, <laughs> because I think if I'm at all useful as a dramaturg, it's because um, I'm kind of like a fangirl. Um, mm-hmm. of usually the play and the playwright that I'm working with and just like sort of like have a weird crush on it all. Um, I just want to like be near it. I don't know if that's helpful, but there's a really um, big famous Yale dramaturg, um, Mark Bly. I don't know he's if you know mm-hmm. him, but he's like a 
big name in the, the dramaturgy world. Um, and there's like some famous instance of him at a talk back. I don't even remember what the play was, but someone in the audience was like, oh, what's what? what's your role? What's, what does a dramaturg do? Where, what, what did you do um, for this work? And he said something along the lines of, there's nothing I can point to on stage that I did, but if you cut the play, I would bleed. Whoa. (laughs) And I thought that was like, to me, that was one of the more, like the, one of the most truthful things about dramaturgy where you sort of can't really point to anything but you feel so close to the play that it 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 just it feels like a part of you and I'm sure as a player you're like well you know who really feels close to the play is the person who wrote it (laughs) no but I remember somebody saying to us I have no idea who this was but somebody said to us at one point when we were at Iowa that the dramaturg's job is to protect the play from the playwright because sometimes as the playwright you feel you know compelled to just cut an entire scene you know just like start after especially after a rehearsal you might go back and just start cutting like crazy and then the dramaturg can say well actually that's there for a reason and maybe you should reconsider yeah you know yeah so I'm glad you guys have like very positive associations with (laughs) dramaturgy I um I don't know I feel like I have a it's fitting for me that um, this metaphor of like cutting the play and bleeding is like a, one of like pain. I almost feel like uh, like dramaturgy is like a really. Um, I really love yeah. that visual though. Yeah. Such a great visual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Blood. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Allison, so tell us uh, what was your earliest memory? What were you doing before theater? Just like, the earliest memory that you had. The earliest memory of my life. I, I, how old are you in preschool? You're like like three, three maybe. Yeah, I guess in preschool. And I, I, I don't know why this is it, but like I was at preschool and I was like playing with some costume, and then a girl, um, Katie McMullen, for some reason I remember her name. Um, Katie McMullen <laughs> came up and wanted to play with this piece of costume. And I said, no, I'm playing with it. Um, and that's my first memory. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Took your step. Yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. And so that's like a, starts me off in a lifetime of just like <laughs> rude behavior. <laughs> How did you um, decide to get into the theater world and what made you want to be a dramaturg? I um like a lot of people my entry to theater was through acting and I acted for a really long time through college and then I thought that's what I wanted to do and then I did like a bunch of summer intensives and found out like I really didn't want to be an actor and it just wasn't for me and I graduated um, from undergrad and went to uh, California Shakespeare Theater Um, Mm -hmm. and they had a I was just doing like a artistic casting internship because I didn't really know what to do and they had a dramaturg there uh, or she's still there her name is uh, Philippa Kelly and I just thought she was so so cool so um well, she's like, she's Australian. So everything, everything just sounds really cool coming out of her mouth. But she, um, 
she's just so <laughs> smart, so articulate. People loved her. She just the way that she talked about plays, and I just thought was was so great. And I wanted to kind of be her and be that. Um, and yeah, so I um, started trying to freelance dramaturg around. I lived then I moved to Philadelphia for love at the time and um was trying to dramaturg around there um I I didn't know what I was doing luckily I ended up at the University of Iowa and uh met playwrights for the the first time I mean it's so I don't even know how I I don't even know what I was doing I don't know how I landed in Iowa City but um because I just didn't know any I didn't know any playwrights. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm sure I said I was interested in new play development, but I didn't know anything about it until until grad school. Um, and now, now it's all I care about. Isn't it funny to look back on like before grad school? How I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I thought oh I my knew gosh. everything. <laughs> and then, like the first month I was there, I started to realize how little I knew. Yeah, I, I I feel like also when you just said, I was like really, I it was so relatable. I was like, I like wrote a play or two, and I was like, I don't know, I'll just now go to playwriting grad school, <laughs> right. and and I thought I knew it what I you know and I always think of back of like how yeah how did I uh, get here I I all I know is the playwrights I you know from college in my classical theater class and then I know one name from that yeah. class <laughs> I'm just like mm-hmm. um but it was such a it it was such a great place to um yeah learn you know it was just like it was a learning mm-hmm. growing experience um I'm so curious so while you're in Philadelphia you did you like so you had an idea what dramaturgy was or like you knew like how did you kind of navigate and before um my idea of what dramaturgy was at the time was um kind of Mm -hmm. uh purely the like working on um extant plays and since I had um spent a lot of time with Shakespeare I dramaturged at um Delaware Shakespeare Festival uh, which is in Wilmington Delaware which is like really for people who don't know east coast geography it's really close to Philadelphia um and I don't know I was just sort of like kind of doing research for that like I worked there for three seasons I I I don't even I, I honestly like don't even know I remember spending a ton of time like reading the plays and researching them, but I don't, I really don't think I did a lot. Like I just was so obsessed with like trying to do a good job and I didn't even know what that was, was not very productive. But I also um, did an internship at the Wilma Theater um, in Philadelphia and then did um, like literary management type of work. And I will tell you, I was listening to your um, really great episode on rejection, um, which I like, I I just, (laughs) the whole time I was like in my, I sounded like a crazy person in my um, apartment being like, "Uh uh-huh, that is so true. That is so true. Um, But I will say that (laughs) I've done a lot of my like uh, credentials before grad school were being, was being readers for um, like all these theaters. And Mm -hmm. I, I I I didn't know what I was talking about. I just I didn't know <laughs> like poor playwrights send their scripts out and 
there's just yahoos like me reading them, just like fumbling my way through. <laughs> I just don't know enough about plays. I didn't know enough about playwriting. Um, I didn't know anything about structure until until grad school. And I just so if you're if you're if you're getting a lot of rejections, just know there's some like well-meaning soul like me who doesn't know what she's doing, being like, oh, um, this play is no good. It you know not similar to my favorite play so <laughs> therefore yeah <laughs> well I mean but <laughs> well I guess there's a couple things there like first of all yeah I think a lot of playwrights have mm-hmm. no idea what it looks like on the other side but second of all because I know you and I know you have really good instincts and I basically agree <laughs> with everything you think about plays I kind of wish everybody <laughs> who was a reader was Alison Ruth-esque can you point to anything that you started to notice about like all the plays you were reading and is like, is there anything you can describe that kind of sets apart the plays that were really strong submissions yeah. from ones that yeah. and I, you um, rejected? I think the only times that I felt I was so busy trying to not look stupid to like the literary manager that I would be like, I'm only gonna, like basically how it would work for the couple theaters that I did this for where like they would send scripts to you and then you you read them and you rate them on a kind of a number scale, but you also then like write a, a bit about them and what, what it is and what you think. And, and I was mm-hmm. so worried that I would send them a play and then they would read it and be like, what this isn't good at all you are so stupid um but if you give if you give the play like a low enough score like no one sees it it just kind of stops with you um and the plays that I Mm -hmm. felt strongly should like move forward in whatever process were just plays that like I had no idea why because I um I mean I probably still wouldn't know why but just plays that have something about them that is um, powerful (laughs) and um, I'm being inarticulate, but it's sort of in this vein of like sacred things don't need explaining, Sam. Like (laughs) it's just like, they're just wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, plays that had like really strong images, plays that I – all of a sudden, a chuckle emerged. That there's some element of surprise, maybe that it's that it's something. You, I mean, even if you're saying you wanted it to be like your favorite plays, that it's yeah. doing something that you haven't. Yes, seen and um, maybe I just yeah, that yeah, that's very that's pretty much accurate. And I don't know, I I feel bad that there's probably plays that I didn't give time to just because I didn't understand. I was too, because if you like the play, then you have to talk about why you like it. And it's like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> this play is too big for me to wrap my head around. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, who's your favorite playwright? If I mean, let's give our listeners a sense of your aesthetic taste. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to sound dippy, but like, uh, like uh, when I, I, I liked you know, no, like, you know, my, actually probably to this day, my favorite play is like Angels in America. Mm -hmm. But when I went to Iowa, like all the Iowa playwrights, like truly, truly became my favorite playwright. Like, like 
you guys, like literally. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. No, it's just like, that's, that's what's, that's what I, it's in my heart. But, um, but for people who haven't read your plays, um, I really love, I really love Sarah Kane. I really love Lisa Damore and, um, young Jean Lee and Tony Kushner and, um, that those types of playwrights, meaning those types of really great playwrights, they're not deep cuts, but that's who I love. Cool. Yeah, every one of those playwrights are so um, unique. Yeah. They're just so, mm-hmm. they're very different across the board. And so as you were saying, I was like trying to figure out, like, I wonder what she sees in all those playwrights. Like, what is the, the, the pulse that kind of goes through them? And I'm like, I don't know. They're just, they're really distinct, unique voices yeah and they separate themselves from the rest you know yeah I I like plays that are interested in um humor in some way and it might be a really dark way but I really feel like you can tell when a a playwright and I think it's the playwright (laughs) um like has no sense of humor about the world um, or is not interested in finding, I don't know, the absurdities <laughs> in, in mm-hmm. what they're trying to describe or paint. Um, and so I really get excited by plays that are doing something interesting or something really well with humor or comedic timing. I just think those are just really delightful or the most tragic um, mm-hmm types of work yeah. yeah so our podcast and it's, it's called Beckett's Babies um <laughs> there might be babies that are listening to this um <laughs> uh what advice could you give to our writers who have never written a play you know how can what's the first thing that they could work or start to think about when writing a play yeah who've never written a play before and how might they start my first of all would be just like just congratulate congratulate yourself for the wonderful impulse to um even want to do um <laughs> do that i i think that playwriting is just like the hardest thing in the world so when someone has that impulse i just think first of all like just revel in your glory and then absolutely do it um and the only, I don't know, I get so, I don't know if you can tell from my, well, you guys have met me. I'm just, I'm just brimming and overflowing with confidence and high self-esteem all the time Um, (laughs) that I, you know, it's like so hard for me to like, even the only times I've ever managed to like get out of my own way or when I'm like, okay, Allison, like, just, just, just try, just forget about sending smart or doing what you think you should do. Um, just like, what do you, like, just do really what you want to do. And it sounds like an easy thing, but it's like just the hardest thing. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I, that's sort of my, my advice for probably any, anybody in any field. Um, but certainly playwrights who, um, mm-hmm. who I, I just think they're, you know, they're, it's just like such a, it's such a behemoth task. Um, and the only way it's going to be, good I imagine is if you're not trying to sound like what you think a good play looks like or feels like or sounds like yeah because then there's something not genuine about it maybe that you're yeah putting on some kind of mask or trying to pretend to be something that 
or your make your play be something that is not just from you. Yeah, and there's something about I think plays, theater versus I like TV or movies that like something about like a lack of originality is so bald and so obvious in theater. I feel like when I watch TV or movies, I am I'm not looking I'm I'm looking for the comfort of something familiar. I can I excuse cliches so easily. If there's characters I've seen before, I like that. I know what to expect. But when you put those same things on stage, it's just like unbearable. You know, you're just like, you're insulted. You're like, how (laughs) dare you bring me um, a crusty detective? I've already seen this before. Um, You know, if if you you don't, if you're not having a new take on a universal truth, what are you doing? I wonder why that is. Like, why do you, what do you think it is? Well, this is a specific question and then a general question, which is like, what is it about plays that makes unoriginality so boring? But then also, what is it about plays that makes them that you love more than other medium media yeah. art forms? I think it's it's actually probably in this, like that the like slickness or um like a shellacked (laughs) veneer like just doesn't work on stage or I think I I don't like it I mean I guess a lot of people do I think people who like really get excited about like just the scenes in between musical numbers (laughs) or something like uh, (laughs) like you're like yeah this is a play this is great um but I I get really excited by like the um the roughness and the like just like uh, you just I refuse to use the word gritty, but I was just about to. Um, just like the <laughs> the um, I don't know, like the non shiny exterior of theater is something that like is just really attractive to me because it's just not this is not the case in other sort of um, like narrative formats. I think I don't know. Does that mm. sound? Does that ring true with any? Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Just in the fact that anything can happen. I mean, anytime you sit down for something live, like there's that feeling of the thing I'm about to see could have been rehearsed for months. And of course, the text has been written and reworked and reworked. But in the moment I'm seeing it, anything could happen, you know? Yeah. Um, And so it can't it. And so that's why I think if if there is that feeling of like a shellacked perfection it comes across as really phony because of course it it can't be it can't be <laughs> glossy and fixed because it still mm-hmm. has to happen fresh every night i'm always fascinated when i see theater it's just when you when it's live you see an actual human being mm-hmm. right in front of you and you're just like Look what they can do, like just physically, and they could change and right in front of your eyes in a way that's like you don't really get that. There's a distance, you know. No, that's so true. I like, I completely agree. Like, the every everybody's talent is so on sort of so vulnerable, like, you know, you cannot cover up bad acting. Actually, I was just talking to Lucas another dramaturg listeners about this where um we were just watching the oscars and like they like the the act i didn't see this movie but the actress who was nominated from roma um it was like Mm -hmm. i just watched that last night oh 
Well, I mean, uh, I haven't seen it, but like she, you know, I presumably was really good and nominated for best actress. And we were just saying like, you can do that in film, like, but you, you could never, you can't do that with theater. Like you can't be like, oh yeah, this is someone's first time on stage and they hit it out (laughs) of the park. Like it just doesn't work like that. Um, and I don't, I don't like, it's something about like the amazing feats of like work and talent of like everyone, like the designers, the playwright, like the the actors that like when you get it live on stage, it's just like, it's so breathtaking in a way that like, I don't know, can be so covered up or something. I mean, I, I love film. I'm like making it sound like I don't. But. but it's interesting because, you know, what people always say about putting children on stage is they just suck all the attention because there's something about small children being, they're aware that people are watching them, but they're totally unaware of all of those like, I don't know, adult insecurities that we get as we grow older. And so, you know, when you have animals or children on stage, it it immediately becomes so obvious that everybody else is artificial and that they are like, they're like the most real thing. And I wonder if, you know, if you take an adult who's never been in a play before and like put them on stage, they're so aware that they're on stage that they can't, like part of what actors have to learn how to do is to become more like children. And that takes so yeah. much work and time and training. That is interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so, and you're also a director. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about um, the project you're working on now and how and, and what your approach to directing is like? Yeah, and how yeah. is dramaturgy kind of feeding or how does it dramaturgy feed into your directing if it does yeah. you know yeah it does in a, a huge way um well I would say the, the project I'm working on is um uh Seminole, which um is written by wonderful Nina Morrison and it's a play that listeners um out there uh <laughs> Sam directed um in 20 was it 2015 it was it was the fall of 2015 yeah and uh Nita wrote it Sam directed it and I was um doing dramaturgy so and then since then I just sort of became like during that process and then after I was just so obsessed with feminine and I like wrote about it for my thesis um and do you want to give them like a one sentence synopsis oh sure or, or review of what the play is of course yeah that that would be so helpful um <laughs> it, it um well I will say the source material is um our is ball by Brecht um which is this play where um this like kind of this guy is just sort of this gross human he um he's like such a jerk he is he's like a poet type figure and everyone loves him but he's just like really rude and he is like a like eats he's really gluttonous for like food and sex and um but everyone just sort of adores him and then the other source material is um Godard's French New Wave Masculine Feminine which has this um story about um a like beautiful starlet and um her relationship with um another dud of a guy and um <laughs> so feminal is sort of this like gender swapped mashup of these two play or two works and then sort of has formed what i think is a, a work of art that's better than either of those two um, and it's things. set in this kind of alternate 
history, Paris. Yeah, like a re-envisioned yeah. um, 1960s Paris. Um, like very feminist and yeah, know, progressive. And- it is, it's just really great. <laughs> um, and it's helped define, I mean, working on that play and working, I mean, you know, again, coming to Iowa, meeting meeting you you guys and um, working on plays like this really helped me define like what I cared about life and in art. But yes, so working on that. And um, I will say that uh, one of the ways that dramaturgy has really influenced uh, my directing is in many ways, but the probably the most significant is that I, um, I just trust the text so much more than I ever did prior to seriously mm-hmm. studying um, dramaturgy. I just, um, if there were, I directed an undergrad and if there were things that I didn't understand in a text, um, I just, I would try to like, you know, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't get that. It's probably a mistake with the play or like something wrong with the play. <laughs> right. And I don't, you know, I'm going to try to like compensate for the play's flaws um when really I now I it's kind of such a relief um it's much better I mean I think it produces better work and it's also just easier to direct when you know that the play um and the playwright the play knows what it's doing the play doesn't have um there's no problems with the play that are like that you're gonna fix with your directing Mm -hmm. um and you can just lean on the text more than um, you think you can, you can just trust it. You don't have to, um, force character arcs in the way that I thought I had to, um, you know, there's development in there that even when you can't see it, um, right away is, is happening. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, also another big influence is that I, dramaturgy, um, I don't think I would have had the like confidence, I guess, to um, try to produce this play um, if I hadn't just spent so many hours as the dramaturg sitting in rehearsal rooms. Just you, just you, as a dramaturg, you have access to so much rehearsal time and access to all the discoveries of the cast and creative team. But you don't, you're not really like you don't necessarily you aren't necessarily a, like a, always an active part of that but you get to watch it all so I yeah. just feel like I've watched so many directors and so much rehearsal um in a way that like if I had been busy trying to direct or been busy trying to do a different job I just wouldn't have had all of that wonderful observation time um which now I am very grateful for cool yeah. that makes a lot of sense yeah well, um, it seems that we are nearing the end of our time, which means it's time for glistens. Oh, yay! Um, <laughs> so at the end of every episode, we, we say uh, what are our favorite things from the week that we want to share. Um, so, Allison, would you like to go first? Sure. I have been thinking about what my listen could be. Um, and now in the moment, it's something different than what I thought I was going to say. That is totally fine. <laughs> but that's how it works. Kind of, you're just like, I don't know um, what it is. Um, but I am a, my listen for the week is sort of, um, I am a huge fan of The Bachelor. Um, <laughs> and I, 
just cannot for the life of me figure out why. Um, and I also know a lot of like really smart, um, like women who are just not concerned about, um, men's opinions like they also really love the bachelor and i (laughs) i there might be a think piece out there if i felt so inclined maybe i'd write one but i like i'm like what is it about like the the like 2019 woman who's like oh like give me the bachelor and this is what i've come up with so far but it might be wrong i have to i'll process it but my like takeaway might be like you know when you maria bamford the comedian has like this like quote about like I can't do it but it's like uh basically paraphrasing like uh there's a deep sense of contentment you have when you watch a genocide documentary uh, about like that you're not about to kill millions of people nor are millions of people about to kill you and I like sort of feel like maybe, <laughs> like a security yeah it's just feel. like yeah it's like we you can watch it because you can look at like that isn't my life. I, mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm enlightened in the way that these buffoons aren't, mm-hmm. um, you know, look at the, um, look at how far women have come that we can now like laugh at this, like just absurd, absurd mm-hmm. misogyny. Um, it's like the misogyny has become like just entertainment. Um, I don't know, something are you comparing The Bachelor yeah. to a documentary on genocide? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's my hot take. Yeah. Bachelor to me, and it's so fun. Yeah, I, it's so, I'm always boggled by, like, the interest behind it. <laughs> and for me, the way I see Gladiator, it, uh, not Gladiator, it is like Gladiator. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, it's, the Bachelor is Gladiator. Like it, it's like we're seeing these women just for all like as spectators, we're like circling around them and seeing them fight, and like their their, their trophy is this dude. Oh, it's yeah. so dumb. Oh, Sarah, and it's so much better than any of the crap I just said. That is like <laughs> no. that's why I like it. Thank you for. I'm so glad I brought it up because you've illuminated. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god no I was like thinking I was like what is this you know as, but as you were talking I was like yeah what is that and then I was just thinking I had recently thought about the movie Gladiator too and so I was like man there's something about there oh yeah no that's like a women equivalent it's like a <laughs> women's equivalent and they're violent like physical it's like all this emotional, <laughs> this emotional violence yes yeah <laughs> I love that <laughs> and really we're like exactly the same people as the ancient romans yeah yeah i know no i know and you like you feel it you're like oh twist the knife more come on do it kylie or like whatever you know Um, it's just great yeah Mm -hmm. so funny i love that what's your glisten sarah oh man um okay so I was talking to Sam earlier about this before recording. I started watching some Korean dramas. Mm. Now, I do not watch Korean dramas. I'm just not that type of person. I like, never really grew up with the Korean culture, really. But for some reason, when I feel feelings or something, I'm like, I want to watch a Korean drama because it it's the same way how I feel about This Is Us. Like, I just, it, it emotionally pulls me and mm. tugs at me in ways. So... I came across this Korean drama. It came out, I think, in like 2015, 2016. It's called Oh My Ghost. <laughs> and it it combines... I, I, You guys, so 
there's a, there's two things I love and more than anything in this world. <laughs> it's cooking shows, like co- cooking competition shows, yes. and talking about ghosts. <laughs> this show is those two things. Oh I did God. not know. I didn't think it was possible, but it's those two things. It's about this girl who had died previously, and she walks amongst the earth as this wandering ghost. She's a virgin, and she has to sleep with someone to get rid of it so she can move on to her <laughs> To the next level. Does she have to sleep she, with a like a living person or a ghost person? So she possesses a girl, oh and in the body of this girl, she falls in love oh with this uh, chef <laughs> who is a cooking, okay. like he's he's like this a major competitive cooking star in Korea, and so it's a show of like ghost. Mo- it's like it it hand, goes hand in hand. It's like. One moment, it's like he's competing. It's like a cooking show. It's like really intense. And then there's all this romance. And then there's all this ghost paranormal <laughs> things that are happening all in one. I was like, I was like, honestly, like I sometimes reject being Korean, but I was like, only Koreans understand me, apparently, <laughs> you know, like when I found, when I discovered the show and I was like, so boggle, like, how did I find a show that is so me? Like, it was just so crazy. That sounds amazing. That's awesome. It's really bad. I mean, the <laughs> melodrama is horrific, but it has the all the needs like that I want. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my ghost. So oh screaming. my ghost. <laughs> I love um, that. Sam, what's yours? Well, um, I heard on NPR this morning about um, a parenting technique that the Inuit people have to teach their children not to hit when they're angry and it was really interesting because they said that um like because anger is a really dangerous and kind of frowned upon emotion in um Inuit culture because it can mean like you know in a moment where the elements are you know going to kill you you've got to be able to keep your cool and if you can't keep your cool you know you could die um and so it's really important to teach children to control their anger. And they, and so they were saying, like, if a little child hits you because they're angry, um, the in, in, Inuit parents will not yell at them and they won't scold them, but they'll wait till the kid has calmed down. And then they'll, like, put on a play about, <laughs> about like, what to do what? when the kid is angry. Yeah, and they'll actually, you know, they'll, like, kind of act it out. And so they'll tell the kid, like, hit me. And then the kid, you know, will hit the parent and the parent will be like, ow, that hurts. Why would you do that? Don't you like me? And and they and they use this kind of like in the moment theater to teach the kid how to imagine like not reacting in anger. Isn't oh, that cool? That's really cool. So then the huh. reporter who was who was reporting on this, she tried it with her own daughter <laughs> and recorded it i think her daughter's three and yeah it was it was kind of neat it was a neat story did the parent did she had a provoker like <laughs> she well she was like she, she i think she tried it a few times she was like hit me and you know the kid did and she's like oh don't you like me and then like a few weeks later she, you know she did it again hit me and the kid was like no and the parent said, why not? And the kid was like, because I love you. <laughs> this was all in the story. Yeah. Oh, man. If I was a kid, I'd be like, mom, why do you keep telling me to hate you? <laughs> no, that's really interesting. And I do think, like, that 
like theater, one of the it teaches empathy really effectively. Yeah, it teaches me empathy. Like, to, like I saw sweat the other. Oh my gosh, I want to see that. It's like you know, it's one of these things where you're kind of like, I'm, uh, it it it's like seeing Hamilton, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, it deserves all the praise. It's amazing. Um, so. Yeah, and I like I saw sweat, and I was like, I I I feel I'm a better, nicer person emerging from. They it taught me not to hit. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, Allison. I know, I know. (laughs) Very violent before, but now I'm okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy for you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Well. I think we've reached the end of another episode. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Let me blab at you guys. (laughs) You're wonderful. And um, if people want to catch your show, Mm -hmm. where can they see it? They can see it um, uh, from May 10th to 18th. Um, It is going to be at the Shakespearean Youth Theater Loft Space, which is in St. Paul. It's an 550 Vandalia Street um, next to Lake Monster Brewing um, in St. Paul, Minnesota. And yeah, you can go to uh, grumbletheater.org and it's, um, I'll just spell it, G-R-U-M-B-L-E-T-H-E-A-T-E-R.org. After a grumble of pugs. Yes. (laughs) A grumble is like a grouping of pugs. (laughs) And it's the name of my company. (laughs) That's amazing. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much. Well, that was a great conversation. During that conversation, um, what it reminded me of is, well, like TV film versus playwriting. Mm -hmm. Nick, my fiance. So he, when it comes to like TV and film, he has a very commercial mindset. Like he knows, like because it's at the end of the day, it's all business, and he. So when he reads my stuff, I write a pilot or film. He like looks at it commercially, like really commercially. But yeah. when I send him, a, give him a play, I want him to give a read and give that kind of similar constructive feedback. He's like doesn't like want to touch it. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like he was just like you know, there's just something about this. It's just like it's so creative, it's so artistic, and it's like I don't want to like mess it up like I don't it's like I'm it's like I really feel like playwriting is so close to being like a sculpture or anything really because you're because it's like you're you're creating an original original work in a way that's like it's in its own art form and so like an abstract painting like if you paint a picture of a person you know, then someone can say, oh, well, you know, their thumb looks weird and it's not realistic. But if you paint an abstract painting, then it's a totally different kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think if we try to do that in TV and film, which mm-hmm. is already so commercial, audience might be turned off. They're like, what is this? What is it? No, <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm, it's right. not familiar to me at all, you know, and then, yeah. and then studios wouldn't want to take that kind of risk. Because they're spending millions of dollars to do something like that, but yeah, I was just like, I just kept thinking like it was so interesting how playwrights are just we're 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 just our own beasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I read this article by um, Joe Lapore today um, about how robots are coming for all our jobs. Although she's approaching mm-hmm. it with some skepticism, but one of the pers- one of the people she interviews says. Um, 
the only people whose jobs are going to be safe from automation are people whose jobs cannot be summed up easily in one sentence. So Mm. based on that logic, I think dramaturgs are safe from being replaced by robots and maybe also playwrights. You hear that, listeners? Did you hear that? <laughs> if you're, if you're, maybe you're trying to figure out a, a new job, a new career. This is something to think about. Yeah. Are you worried about? <laughs> are you worried, Sam? About being <laughs> about, replaced by a robot? No, I think it just in general. Yeah, robots and automation. And I think I'm. I think what I'm more worried about is like, it, like all of it together, like climate change and automation and the collapse of our civilization (laughs) so on that happy note yeah well that was the end of our show for sure (laughs) okay um all right listeners so uh if you liked what you heard make sure to follow us on beckett's babies we're on facebook and instagram and we also have a website beckett'sbabies.com uh, and each episode has its own little playwriting exercise if you wanted to go forth and try writing your own play. Get started. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.